This presentation is brought to you by GetWhole.org. Bringing wholeness to spirit, soul, and body. Here is Aaron Weiser. Okay, is there anyone here from Grace? Oh, you guys back there, you did. You guys came. Cool. Okay, some people said they were coming, so we just want to say hi. So, okay, you guys can be seated. My wife and I, we started a ministry almost three years ago, two and a half, maybe three-ish years ago, and it's called Get Whole. And what it is, is we put on weekend classes for people, and they kind of come through, and basically it's, it's teaching and ministry time. And the idea is, is that you would come out of it learning what's in your life that's making you not whole. Um, a lot of people come because they have diseases, syndromes, sickness, different things like that, mental issues. And that's why they come. That's the bait we use to get people. Um, but once they come, they realize, like, this is really for anyone, not just someone that's sick. You can really avoid disease in your in your life in the coming years by putting into practice some of the things that we talk about. Um, we focus on the fact that you need to be whole on the inside. The inside is what comes out onto the outside. So how many of you guys know when we have an issue, we go to the doctor, whatever, we pop, you know, an ibuprofen, whatever. We do what we have to do because it gets on our nerves. But the truth is we're just kind of covering it up. We're just putting like a Band-Aid over the issue. That's really what most medication does. You know that? Like insulin doesn't actually heal your pancreas, does it? No. Is there anything wrong with insulin? No. Is there anything wrong with drugs, um, bipolar stuff? No. You know, I have this problem with the stigma with mental issues because really, and people say, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, they're taking that medication that's messing up their mind and all that. Maybe this is for someone in here right now. I don't, I don't know why I'm talking about it. You should not feel bad if you take any types of drugs for mental issues. Because you know what? Your, you know, uncle shoots up insulin a few times a day. Why? because he needs a, a chemical balance so that his, his blood sugar can stay appropriate. Well, same thing with the brain. Do you guys know the brain's an organ, right? Pancreas is an organ, kidney's an organ, your brain's an organ, and sometimes the chemicals are off. And there's nothing wrong with doing what you need to do to be able to function the best that you can on this earth. However, our class teaches and tries to bring you to a point where we figure out what's going on on the inside in your spirit and your soul what have you been taught your whole life? What are your thought patterns? What are the things that you hold on to that you really need to let go of? And when you get to those things, the Holy Spirit slowly brings you about to a place where your chemicals can adjust. And it's really amazing. We've had tons of people come through and give us all kinds of testimonies. They're like, you know, I take my blood pressure medicine. All of a sudden I started feeling weird. So one of the things we talk about in the class, we tell people, don't throw away your medication. Did you know it's not an act of faith to throw away your medication? You know, God's not up there. He's like, I want to heal them, but I need them to take a step of faith. Hey, Jesus, what do you think they should do? Oh, my gosh, they just threw away their pills. I can finally heal them. They now have stepped out. You know, they're walking on the water like, like Peter did. And so, you know, so there's nothing extra spiritual about throwing away your medication. So we tell people when you feel weird, go talk to your doctor. And your doctor will say, well, you know what? Actually, why don't you break the blood pressure pill in half? And they did. A few weeks later. Feel, felt weird again, went back, ended up being off their blood pressure medication. Why? Because they dealt with what was going on on the inside. Is that me? Do you guys hear that? I don't know. Maybe it's my phone. People are probably texting me because I know I'm up here. They do that. In my church, Like as soon as I get on stage, my phone starts blowing up. 
It's like a joke. It's like post on his wall, send him text message, send him messenger, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so anyway, so we oversee that ministry. It's a really good time. We've had over a thousand people come through. Um, here's a letter from someone that was in the middle of attending. She said, um, tonight's Get Whole class was mind-blowing and awesome. I wanted to immediately share this with you right after class, but I couldn't because I simply could not trust myself to speak. I'm guessing she was going to get emotional and freak out or something. You know, you know women, how they can get, just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, someone said, oh. Now see, that, you're, he's shaking his head right here. He's probably been married for a long time, and he's just like, oh, he messed up that... that. That youngin, I mean, you know, these guys, young guys, they don't know what they're doing. Um, I make lots of jokes. Remember I told you guys last week? How many of you guys were not here last week? No, 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 no. I don't want to make you feel bad. How many of you were here last week? Okay. Um, okay, so she said, as I rushed out of the door for class, I turned around, went up to my father, pointed my finger at him and said, you know I love you, Dad. He looked at me in the eyes and said, I love you too. And she, said, she went on to say, we don't ever do this. Like, it's totally uncommon. Um, she said, isn't God awesome? Thank you so much for your willingness, commitment, obedience, and gentle spirit. So we have lots of people come through, and they're just like, this has revolutionized my family. Now, I'm not trying to give a commercial for our class, though I am. Um, the next one is March 20th through 21st. We start a Friday night, start up Saturday morning, Sunday morning. So it's like two and a half days long. Um, you can register at gethold.org. We have information at the back table once we're finished with service. Okay, let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for your word and your Holy Spirit. Why don't everyone go ahead and put your, put your hands out, palms up. That's the international sign for receiving something, right? And who are we receiving from right now? God. The Holy Spirit's here. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come down, give them a dose of your peace and your love, wrap your arms around them during this time. There's people that are broken in here. Every one of us are broken to a certain certain amount. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you know exactly what they need to touch their hearts. You know exactly the, the part that you want to pinpoint today, the part that you want to work on. I just ask you to do that. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so this is our first verse. We opened up with this last week. I'm going to do a real quick recap. And the video is online um, at gethold.org if you want to watch last week's. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23, again, it's the contemporary English version. I talk really fast. Do you want to know why I do that? Because I remember learning one time that you can hear and think way faster than you can speak. So sometimes people are like, why do you talk so fast? I'm like, well, you can keep up. You just got to, you know, stay. Plus, it makes you not daydream. Like, there's no room to daydream because I talk really fast. So 1 Thessalonians 5.23, this is our, our keystone verse. says, I pray God who gives peace. Everyone say peace. Okay, peace. He will make you completely holy and may your, this is what we focused on, may your spirit, your soul, and your body. See all three right there? Be kept healthy and faultless until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Last week we talked about the fact that we put everything into categories, right? We all have different categories. We have women, we have men, we have all different categories. Well, God doesn't necessarily do that. And when we say spirit, soul, and body, we are a three-part being. How many of you guys know your spirit lives forever? Right, and it says that in heaven we're gonna know we're gonna still know each other. So like we're not gonna get up there and float around like little clouds and like bump into each other and not know anything. We're still gonna remember things, and I don't know how that works. Um, <laughs> I just had one of those thoughts that I am deciding to not say. Remember last week I said every once in a while, like, and I've learned. See, I'm 37 now, and I've learned that you don't say everything that comes to your mind. So it was it was a little off color, and I'm not at my 
my home church. So I try to tone down a little bit of my off-colorness. And um, the young people like my off-colorness because they're like, oh, we can relate to you. But then sometimes the older people are like, you should not say that in church. But then some of the old people are like, oh, that was great. You know, I'm, I, I know I'm older, but I'm, I act like I'm younger. So anyways, I'm not going to share that. Spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit lives forever. Your body stays in the casket, right? Have you got, who's been to a funeral before? Right, you see that body, that's not the real them. The real you is your spirit. Your body is very simply the mobile home or the carrier that you need to walk on this earth. As soon as something happens to your body, your spirit has to leave, right? Okay, but that doesn't mean that God is not interested in caring for your body and your mind and your soul and your spirit. All of them are equal to him. And he says he wants to keep all three of them healthy and faultless until Jesus returns, okay? So we talked about that last week. Um, you were created in his image. This means your your body and your soul, your mind, all these parts, you're made in his image. And if you remember the story of creation, I imagine Jesus and God sitting next to each other, Holy Spirit's floating around. They're probably like, Holy Spirit, get back here. Come on, come on, come back here. And they're doing their thing and they're like, okay, there's man. And what do he say? Very good. He looked at everything else and said, this is good. This is good. This is good. And when he created us, he said, very good. Everyone say, very good. Okay, and at no point when you read through the Bible did he ever say, you know what, I'm not, they're not made in my image anymore. They were made in my image, but now they all screwed up and doing all this goofy stuff, so now they're not made in my image. No, we're still made in God's image. The fact is, is that life, the sin nature, the things people do to us from the time that we're young, the stuff that passes down through our families, the choices that we make, turn us into something that doesn't always look like God's image, right? Did anyone like say anything to your wife this morning that wasn't in God's image? Like you said something, you're like, yeah, okay, there you go. See, honest. Let's give him a hand for honesty. I like honesty. Sometimes I share stuff that's just way too honest, but it's good. It helps people. But anyways, we don't always look like we're made in God's image, but the truth is God still sees us made in his image. So it's a matter of kind of like getting all this other stuff. Why do we do the things that we do? Okay. What's broken in us that causes us to go in certain directions that don't look like God's image? That's really what he wants to work on today. You're the pinnacle of God's creation. He called you very good. At some point, we're going to stand before God. And, you know, it, the Bible talks about, like, the judgment seat and all this kind of stuff. I don't really see it so much as that. I mean, you can call it that if you want, whatever. It's in the Bible. Fine. But when I saw Jesus walk in the earth, did he ever, like, sit up on a throne and have people bow down to him and judge them and stuff? Was Jesus the, the, was Jesus the express image of the Father? So this whole idea that we're going to get before God and be like, oh, God, what are you going to say about me? Are you going to talk about all the bad things? Are you going to reveal all my secrets and lies to everyone around me? It's not going to be like that, guys. He loves us as children. Would you do that to your kids? No. If you would, eh, you know, I, you, well, you should come to the class. Um, <laughs> and sit in the back row. I had this lady. She sat in the back row. So for Friday through Saturday, so for the first one and a half days, she sat in the back row. And then Sunday, she came up and told me, she said, what you dealt with at this time, I got free. She said, I want to tell you that the whole time for the first day and a half, I just glared at you and I wanted, this is what she said, I wanted to claw your eyes out. I said, oh, I'm so glad that you are now free and you don't want to claw my eyes out anymore. So anyways, yeah, we have all kinds of people come. So the class is for everyone. Okay, so we are the pinnacle. And so anyways, what I was saying is that we may get before God one day and we may have to say, you know what, Father God, I'm sorry for not loving the person that you created me to be. That's something that we're going to have to do. Okay, I believe that we're going to have to do that. Who's making you sick? Um, we're not going to go through this whole verse, but you can go back and watch the video. Second Timothy 2 talks about that we are opposing who? 
ourselves. We're opposing ourselves. And then it goes on to say that we will recover who? Ourselves. So a lot of times we're waiting on God to do it or we're talking to the devil. I bind you in Jesus' name, devil, blah, 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 blah. And you you can do that for like 30 seconds, but don't keep going because, I mean, say it once and you're done. And he's taken care of. The real issue most of the time is with ourselves. And when you have a disease, does this church teach that healing is God's will? So we all know God can do it. That's not the problem. A lot of times we question, will he do it? Did Jesus ever not heal someone? No. Right? The correct answer is no. So Jesus was the express image of God. He, he, everything that he did on earth, he said, I do the things that I hear and see my father doing. And he healed every single person. So that's really like, that's like old school information. Like that's, you know, you got to understand that. That's a, that's a good basis. But the fact is, is when you pray for healing or someone prays for you and it doesn't come relatively soon, you need to start asking questions. And that's what most people are not willing to do. Okay, we would rather keep reading our our power verses on healing, which is a good thing to do. But eventually you got to get to the point to say, what is blocking this right here? What is stopping me? Is it hard for God to heal me? I mean, he made all this stuff out of dirt, breathed into it and made it. If I need a new kidney, he can give me a new kidney. No problem. Okay, so if something's not happening, we're usually opposing ourselves. And that's really what this whole class is about. Our goal is not to get healed. It's very, healing is very simply a byproduct of wholeness and getting rid of the blocks and getting rid of the things that are on the inside of us. And when we do that, it's really no problem. Okay. Um, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, now I talked about getting faith for healing, and I think that's important. And faith is really something that we've focused on a lot over the last 40 years. And I think it's a good thing to focus on, but I think we can move a little bit further now. And I think God's maybe pulling us ahead a little more. Do you guys know God's always pulling us ahead? We're, we're kind of dense sometimes, right? And he kind of, he's always wanting to pull us, pull us, pull us. And when I look through the Gospels, that's the first four books in the New Testament, and I look at what did Jesus focus on? And I realize all of a sudden he didn't focus on faith other than a couple times when he was talking to his disciples. He would say things like, your faith has made you whole. He would say things like that, but he didn't teach on it a whole lot. What did he teach on? Forgive your neighbor. Don't covet. Don't murder in your heart. Do you know when you're really angry at someone, it's like welling up on the inside? Jesus says that's murder in your heart. Now, it's not because he wants to keep you from going to heaven and throw you into eternal flames of hell. No, he's just trying to bring about a heart issue. Do you understand? Okay, so this is a funny story. This is where it's, I'm going to go a little off color here, and I'm just going to do it. So when I was a kid and learning about the Bible, I grew up in church, and then I learned the, the verse where Jesus says, if you look at and lust after a woman, that's as if you're committing adultery in your heart. Does anyone ever read that? Well, see, I'm a, I'm a smart aleck. I'm probably 11 years old, and I go up to my dad, who's a pastor. And I'm like, Dad, you know, Jesus said that. And he's like, yeah, that's in there. And I'm like, so then I might as well just do it. Because if I already did it in my heart, then why? And he's like, Aaron, seriously? Like, you know. See, you guys didn't even know whether you should laugh at that or not. You thought, whoa, that was a little off. That was a little bit. But that's what I was saying. I was just thinking. But here's the point. Jesus was not saying, if, if that's true, and then the Bible goes on to say that adulterers, murderers, fornicators will not inherit the kingdom and all that. If that's really what Jesus was getting at, then none of us would go to heaven. Like, we're all like, I mean, especially for guys, that kind of stuff passes through our minds or whatever. And the fact is that Jesus wasn't trying to set a new standard of like things that if you don't do, we're going to be mad at you. He was trying to show people that had a problem in their heart thinking that they were okay. Do you know the people that Jesus talked to about hell were always the religious people? Do you know Jesus? I've, I've looked through it. He never went to the people that were like the unchurched and talked to them about hell. I don't know why we do it. I, I, I don't do it. 
but the church does it a lot. And you know what he, you know what he was doing? People that think they got every because they're like, I've never committed adultery. I've never murdered someone. So I am holy and I am okay and I am religious and no one really wants to be around me because I'm stiff. And he said this. He said, hey, you think you did this all right? Well, if you even had this thought in your mind, as far as we're concerned, it's the same thing as committing the act. That's all he was doing. He's not trying to heap more stuff on you. He, he's, he's loving. So we, don't, we only do that to religious people, really. <laughs> I only like, you know, whatever. Okay. Be a peacemaker. Don't cause strife. Don't argue. Don't worry about the future. Do you guys think we have worrying about the future problems these days? Yeah, we do. We definitely do. Um, give to others and cancels debt. Don't judge others. So in other words, in the Gospels, you can see Jesus teaching people how to properly react on this earth with themselves, with the people around them, and with the Father God. That's what Jesus preached on most of the time. You go through and read his sermons and you'll see that. So maybe that was the catalyst to why when people came to him, people were healed. Why? Because they were dealing with the issues in their heart. Okay, here's a verse. Do you guys have Luke 6 up on that screen? We'll have that right now if you can. So here's Luke 6, 28 through 30. Do you guys have that one? I don't know. Do you have that one? Do you have that one? Luke 6, 28 and 30. If you have it, good. Otherwise, you guys can listen. So this is Jesus talking, saying, bless those who curse you. That's kind of backwards, isn't it? Does anyone ever want to do that? I don't want to do that. And pray for those who use you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, bomb them with nuclear weapons. No, doesn't say that. <laughs> By the way, America's got it really backwards, but we're not getting into that right now. My question is this, how much like Jesus do we look? Question. Um, to him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your coat, do not withhold your hat either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. Now, does that sound anything like the way that we want to act and react in this life? No. Totally backwards. Is that what Jesus did? Yes. Did he model that for us? You know what he was modeling for us? Enemy love. Enemy love. That's what he was modeling for us. Now, it's not in our nature, and we can make up excuses like all different reasons of why we can't do those things, but that's where we're trying to look more like Jesus and not like what's, what's our natural reaction on themselves. So what was Jesus dealing with in that specific verse? Let me sum it up. Stopping roots of bitterness from coming into our lives. Has anyone ever been stolen for, stolen from? Anyone? I have been. And what happens if you if you if you want to get that back? You want to take revenge? Guess what's setting up on the inside of you? Bitterness, bitterness and unforgiveness. They all go together. And guess what the number one block for healing is in your life? Bitterness and unforgiveness. That's the number one thing that will stop you from receiving the healing that God has for you. And you know what's kind of funny? God's not healing anyone anymore. Do you ever learn about that? Like Jesus already did it, and by his stripes you were healed, past tense were. So he's not, he doesn't even need to heal us anymore. Do you guys know your body heals itself? When your body is set up with the chemicals that bitterness causes, it will stop you from being healed. And it sets you up from all kinds of diseases, especially cancer. Cancer, there's, I've read doctor's reports on it, and they see a major thing with bitterness, guilt, and shame, and cancer that develops later in your life. And do you know when your chemicals get okay and proper, the stuff forms that it needs, they're called anti-oncogenes, and there's other stuff, that when your immunity system goes back to the way it's supposed to be, guess what? Guess what has no chance? Cancer. Do you guys know cancer is not what well, can be caused by a virus? It's not a virus. It's actually just cells going crazy, out of whack. And when those cells do that, that's when, that's when you get cancer. This is, it's all a chemical, most of it's a chemical issue. 
Okay, so let's look at, um, this is our verse again. I'm just going to read the very first part, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 again. This is what it starts with. It says, I pray that God who gives peace. Everyone say peace. What does he, who, what does he give us? Peace. I pray that God who gives peace. Okay, so God gives peace. If someone, if I'm going to give you something, do you have a part to play? I mean, unless I throw it at you, which would be rude. But God gives us peace, but we always have our role to play. There's always God's side of things, and then there's man and woe man's. Do you guys know where we got woe man from? Huh? Mother-in-law, do you know this joke? Okay, well, you're going to hear it for the first time, maybe. Okay, so imagine this. Adam's created, he's bored, you know, he's done playing with the lions and stuff, he's totally bored out of his mind. So God's like, looks at Jesus, like, Jesus, like, he doesn't have someone that's like equal to him, you know, another another mate or whatever. It's, I don't know why God did that. Like, what, doesn't God already know everything? So maybe he was trying to prove a point that like we need women. Now, I'll tell you, as a, from a man's point of view, there's times when I wish there, well, most of the time... <laughs> I have decided that life would be totally boring without women. Guys, can you say, right? It really would be boring. I mean, you guys really make stuff exciting and fun. So anyway, so that's, that's that. So anyways, he creates, and then he, so he's asleep because, you know, God had to like take his rib or whatever. I guess it was like a DNA transfer. Maybe he got some stem cells out of there and, and put them in, in Eve. And so, so Adam wakes up. He looks over. Now, remember, they were naked, naked. He looks over at Eve, and he says, whoa, man. Now, that's one of those jokes that, like, some of the older guys tell, and I, I, I border on the edge of corniness. You know how old, old guys always tell corny jokes? So that does border on corny, but I love to do that anyways because it talks about nudity and stuff, and it usually throws people off a little. Okay, so anyways, um, what was I getting at? Every gift requires some uh, action on our part. So now what's the definition of peace? I'm going to read this to you. Peace is the absence of hostility. Peace is the absence of hostility and retribution. Everyone say retribution. retribution. What's retribution? Payback, right? You did this, I do that. Payback. Is that quid, quid pro quo? Um, there's other ways. Okay. Uh, the absence of hostility and retribution. Peace also, listen to this, peace also suggests sincere attempts at reconciliation. Do you know what reconciliation is? You want to be retributive, but instead you seek after that person and make amends. And that's called reconciliation. Okay, so that's what peace is. So God gives us peace, but do we have a part to play in that? Right? He's not just dumping down Xanax. He's not like, okay, get out the, the big bottle of Xanax. Okay, like, you know, we're like catching Xanax pills from the sky and now we have peace, you know, until it wears off. He's not doing that. He's giving us something that, that the world can't offer us. It's something on the inside, right? Okay, so the absence of hostility and retribution. The peace that God offers us requires us, okay, to give up retribution give up paying back, and to seek reconciliation. Now, some of this stuff's hard to do, but here's what we, what's, what's my class get hold. Like, I'm trying to, I, my goal is to help people avoid disease and also be healed if you've got something going on in your life. And these are the choices that we have to make. And how many of you guys know the Holy Spirit never asks us to do something that he's not willing to then help us? You know, I found in my life, every time I take a little first step, you know, I don't want to, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it, take a little first step. And then who always meets me? God always meets me. 
He always meets me partway. And he's ready for me every time I take a little step. So you guys can do that. You can do that. Okay. Um, a lack of peace causes hostility, bitterness, accusation. Do you guys know you can accuse yourself? Probably half the people in this room, you deal with regular thoughts of accusation towards yourself. You don't, you don't know how it sounds? You idiot. You can't. Oh, my gosh. You messed that up. Oh, look at what you just said. You, 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 you. And do you know who's, whose voice that is? Who's, who's it sound like? Sounds like ours. Sounds like myself. I, I used to deal with this a whole lot more till I got free from this class. Every once in a while it tries to creep back in. But that's self-accusation. What's accusation towards others? We know that as judgmentalism. Yeah, I call this the church lady. You guys remember saying it live, the church lady? Like, oh, look, oh, look at her. She's got a tattoo sleeve up her arm. Oh, not supposed to mark up the temple. You know, so that's like the judge. That's the, ugh, like, uh, no one really wants to be around those people like that. Um, okay, so self-hatred and guilt. How many of you guys ever did something stupid in your life? We all have all different kind of levels. When we do our class, people come up and they like share the craziest stories. And you wouldn't believe in a room this in, in a room this with this many people here, there are some stories of things that we've done, right? And we live with that. It doesn't go away, does it? But guess who wants to sit there and reinforce that guilt? Right? Our enemy does. And in that we will not be free from disease. Okay? All these things will affect your whole being down to the cellular level. And see, God understood that, and that's why when he created us, he was trying to give us answers for that right here. Now, um, I'm not going to go into this too much, but the physio everyone say physiological. physiological. See, it's like one of those smart-sounding words. Physiological, so that's really how everything works together, like spirit, soul, and body, physiological, biology, and chemicals, and, and all the different parts that make us. So the physiological connection of spirit, soul, and body. In class four, this is one of the things that we do, is we look at the part of the brain, it's called the hypothalamus, which is the brain center for the limbic system, which is the center of emotions. Every single thought that passes through your mind, everyone say every thought. And sometimes they're even the unconscious ones, not the ones that you're like sitting through and thinking about, but it's the stuff going on in the background. Every single thought passes through the limbic system, which goes to the hypothalamus. And guess what the hypothalamus does? It releases chemicals through the organs in your body to keep the teeter-totter in check so that you can stay balanced, called homeostasis. And when thoughts go through your mind where you're trying to protect yourself, where you feel violated, where you feel guilty, where you feel self-accused, where you feel bitterness towards someone else, all those thoughts that go through your mind, you don't know this because you can't, like you don't sit there and think like, okay, take a breath now. That's your sympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic nervous system and the endocrine system work all throughout your body without you thinking about it. It just happens. And the problem is, now the good thing is God gave us that so that we could stay alive. Right? That's a good thing. But the bad part is, is that we can't control it. So every time you have a bitter thought that's just grinding you and grinding you, your body is releasing cortisol sometimes. And guess what cortisol does to your body when it's in low-grade, long-term? Destroys your immune system, sets you up for cancer. Okay? So when we say the physiological connection, I can sit here and teach you what God says to do and how to react to people and your spirit and your soul and, and getting whole. And as you start to do that, guess what? It all filters down to your body. So see how that works? I'm not going into any more detail than that. That's, we go into more detail in the class. But every single thought produces a chemical release or a nerve signal sent. Every thought. Everyone say, wow. wow. 
didn't know about that. Like, I just wanted to drink coffee this morning. Like, I, I don't know. Anyways, it's very important. Now, let's look at the cause of this internal battle. Because I've been talking about how we get these thoughts, and it sounds like us, but it's not always us. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Where did this stuff come from? Now, in the class, when we start to talk about these things, I like to give it this title. We are going to begin to give you some information because how many of you have ever been told you need to forgive someone? Does that help? No. You need to forgive people. I know I need to. I just can't do it. Right? So really, a lot of times what forgiveness is, especially in the church, is it's pretending. Like, okay, I can't forget because it's in my memory. But you know what? I have to do it because the Bible says if I don't forgive, then God won't forgive me and blah, 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 blah. And that's what Jesus said. And Okay, so I got to forgive. So mm, I forgive you. But nothing really changes and stuff. So what we're doing right now is we're going to shift gears and we're going to show you how you can let yourself and other people off the hook. Does everyone know what letting someone off the hook means? To let them off the hook. Like you're going to see that there's something else going on that's going to help you let people off the hook and let yourself off the hook. That's, that's the harder one for me is usually myself. Okay, here's our verse. Um, Genesis 3. This goes back to creation. Now, this is a very interesting little passage. You probably never noticed any of this before, and you're going to see it in a new way. Okay, so Genesis 3, 5. For God, now this is, you guys know who's talking here. He's the um, serpent, and in Genesis, he's called a serpent, and then later in Revelation, it refers to him as who? Satan. Okay, so we know Satan's um, channeling. He's channeling through a snake. Okay, so for God does know in the day that you eat thereof that your eyes will be opened. Everyone say, eyes opened. And you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. Okay, so Adam and Eve ate the fruit, remember? Everyone guess what kind of fruit it was. Right, it doesn't say that, but we always pretend it's an apple. Now, here's a question. This is a dumb question, but it's, I want you to think about it. It says when they ate the fruit, their what? Eyes were open. Were their eyes closed before this? Or is this possibly figurative slash metaphorical speak? Something was opened. I don't think it was their actual physical eyes, but something was opened and something changed. What happened, and I'll, you'll see this play out. I want to set you up for this. Their eyes being opened was a pathway being opened that the enemy could now implant thoughts and ideas into their minds as if they were their own. Now, if you get scared and you're like, oh, he's, this, is, this, this got weird all of a sudden. Where's he going with that? Just hang on and, and you'll see it. And then you can make your choice. Be like, no, that's stupid. Throw it out. You, I always give people permission to throw out anything that I say that you don't like. Right? I just, I'm trying to help you. When their eyes were opened, a pathway was opened in their spirits, in their souls, whatever, for the enemy to implant thoughts and ideas as if they were their own. Okay? So now let's watch this. Okay? So here we go. Genesis 3, 7. So now we're going to skip down to verse 7. And it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized, everyone say realized, realized. that they were naked. Were they always naked? Mm-hmm. But what happened? Somehow now all of a sudden they realized it. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together, made coverings for themselves. Okay, so they were always naked. Okay, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And what did they do? They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out, where are you, Adam? Where, where are you at? We're trying to go for a walk. What's up? Verse 10, and he said, this is Adam now, I heard your voice in the garden and I was what? Afraid. Afraid. 
Okay? I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God goes on in verse 11. He says, well, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to do? Okay, so what I want you to see in this, I've got to go, go through this kind of fast. For the very first time, for the very first two human beings, they now experienced emotions that they were never meant to experience. Can you imagine this all of a sudden? I mean, can you imagine how weird this must have felt for Adam and Eve? They were shameful of their nakedness. Everyone say shame. Okay, so shame, guilt, same thing. Shame and guilt over their nakedness. And the big daddy of them all, fear now entered into their, into their hearts. So what happened? What happened all of a sudden? Was this fruit magical and the fruit gave them fear and shame? No. It opened them up to now all of a sudden they could have a flood of thoughts that would tell them, there's something wrong with your nakedness. You need to be afraid of God. They never dealt with this before. So the pathway that was opened was called the knowledge of good and evil. This was a pathway that only God himself was supposed to have access to. But what did, what did the serpent say? He said, well, you know, you're going to know things that God doesn't want you to know. You're going to be like little gods yourself. And so this is where everything starts. Okay, now I'm going to go, we're going to talk about why this is important. Now the enemy is able to hijack. Everyone say hijack. Just a minute ago, I talked about the limbic system and the hypothalamus that responds to every what? Thought. If something can implant thoughts into me that's not directly from myself, guess what they can control? They can control me down to the cellular level by putting these things in me. And this is the heart of what we're talking about. This is why when something happens, you can't stop. Someone does something against you, you can't stop thinking about it. And it eats you up and it eats you up. And you sit there and say, you know, Pastor Stephen, Heidi, they, they've been teaching us how to forgive. And I want to forgive. How many of you guys know deep down we want to do what's right? So why don't we do it? This is why. This stuff grates on us and grates on us. And this is where we have to decide what's from the enemy, what's from me, and what's from the Holy Spirit. Okay? And when we do that, we, may, we, can, we have the, the opportunity to make choices. I want to show you that you can let yourself and others off the hook because there's reasons why we do the goofy things we do. Do you ever see on the news the person that goes and commits all these atrocities and you're like, how could someone do that? How could someone blank, blank, blank? How, do they, how does someone get to that point? Well, the question is, is who was teaching them to act and react for years into their life that got them to the point to where they could do a heinous crime? And that's the question we have to ask. And that's where you can actually start to have compassion. If you want help with bitterness and unforgiveness, you have to start to have compassion. Ask the Holy Spirit. And the way to have compassion is to look at someone and look at them in their place and say, I can't imagine what that person went through in their life that brought them to this point. I can't imagine the things that were said to my husband when he was growing up that now when he gets angry, he shoots his mouth off at me like that. Does it still hurt when he shoot, shoots his mouth off at you? Yeah. Men, does it hurt you when, when your wife you know, starts saying stuff and you feel disrespected? Yeah, it hurts down in the inside. But there's reasons why we do the things that we do. And when we realize that there's more behind it, they could have had a thought just at the perfect right time to say the most hurtful thing to you or do the most hurtful thing to you rape, incest, molestation, all that stuff passes down through the family tree. Family tree, And these thoughts come to people. And you have to be able to look at people and say there's more to the story than just them making a, a dumb decision. How many of you guys know when you make a dumb decision, you want people to look at you and, and realize that there was more to your dumb mistake, right? right? So we have, to, we have to offer that to others too. And that's when peace starts to come. When you can start to look at people and have compassion on them in their state. Did they still have a choice to make? Yeah, they did. 
Should they still be held accountable? Well, yeah. I mean, there, there needs to be an accountability. But is it your job to hold people accountable? No. And now don't mistake me for saying if something was done to you that you shouldn't go to someone with it, you should. Okay? So that they don't hurt another person. I just feel I need to say that. I'm not trying to say, like, just let everyone off the hook. But I'm saying down on the inside, you have to be able to reconcile and not seek retribution. Now, this is a hard message, and I see, I see a few faces in here. See, I'm not going to look at any faces. I see a few faces in here that just look like, I can't possibly, possibly do what... No, no, no. Hold on. Everyone's like, hold on. I'm not asking you to do it right now. I'm not asking you to do it this week. I'm asking you to be open to the fact that the Holy Spirit wants to hold your hand and guide you through it when you're able to. See, now the enemy is talking to some of you right now and saying... Oh, you can't ever. Oh, you wouldn't want to do that. If you do that, da 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 da. So, see, you're already, some of you are already getting those thoughts. You just got to know he's just trying to mess with you. Everyone say, I can do it. Because I'm going to get whole. Okay? Some of the inside talk we hear is I'll never amount to anything. I'm so dumb. I'm so slow. I'm physically unacceptable. In fact, I'm plain ugly. We hear all these different things. And all these things bring about guilt, shame, and accusation into our lives. Ephesians 6.12, I'm just going to go over this really quick. This, is, this also helps us with compassion. It says that our, our fight okay, is not against flesh and blood. That means other human beings. But it's against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Compassion comes when you can realize that there's a whole lot more going on around us than what meets the eye. And you can look at people just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus did. Right? And he can... Bring them up because he understands that there's heart issues. You guys know sin is not, it's not all about like, don't do this or God's mad at you. Sin is very simply something that breaks God's heart because he knows there's brokenness behind it. Okay, that's another, another little subject. I'm going to read this really quick and then I'm going to close. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. Jesus, this is um, from the Old Testament. Jesus then read this to people and he said, basically, guys, guess what? This is me now. And how many of you guys know we're called to be Jesus' hands on this earth right now? So I just happen to be the one with the microphone, so I'm pretending this is me right now. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. Everyone say good news. Okay, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. There's people in this room, you're brokenhearted and you need to be bound up, fixed. Proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness of the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord, acceptable favor, vengeance of God. Okay. okay, verse three. And to provide those who grieve in Zion to, this is what I, go ahead and put your hands out. Holy Spirit, we're going to ask you right now to come into this place and I want you to do exactly what we're reading right now for every single person here. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Everyone say trade up. Trade up. Every time God has something for us to trade, it's always up. And so right now we're going to trade ashes for beauty, the oil of joy instead of mourning. So we're going to give him our mourning and he's going to give us joy, the garment of praise instead of, of a spirit of despair. And we will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And with, everyone can keep your eyes closed. And I don't want you to get tired of holding your hands up, so if you want to rest them on your, on your lap, you can, or just put them down or whatever I want. I want everyone to go ahead and try to clear your minds. I just, I just want you to just pay attention. I want you to think of Jesus on the cross, okay? Now, I know he's not still there. I know he rose from the dead, but we're, we're going back in time, going on a little, a little um, time travel. Now, there's a story of Mary Magdalene, who she was the harlot. She was the one that um, poured perfume on Jesus' feet, cried, 
Um, and, and, and Jesus said that this story is going to go on forever and ever and ever. He said it's part of the gospel. She came to the cross and she knelt at the cross and wept. Now what I want you to do with everyone's eyes closed, I want you to think. Now this is only if you're ready to do it. If you're not ready to do it, you don't have to do this. But I want you to think of some, some unforgiveness, some retribution, something that's deep on the inside that you can think of that, that you know that you have. It could be towards yourself. It could be towards someone that wronged you. And what you're going to do is you're going to take that, that, that little bitterness that you got going on in your life, and you're going to wrap it up in a little package. Go ahead and wrap it up, tie some strings around it, maybe put a nice little bow on it. What I want you to do is I want you to picture yourself taking it to the very foot of the cross and dropping it off for Jesus. He wants to make, make a trade with you. And if you're able to do that right now, he wants to trade something. He wants to trade health, peace, sound thoughts through your mind, stopping of that nagging voice that reminds you again and again and again of that thing that hurt you or that, that choice that you made. All you're going to do is drop it off. He can take it. He wants to take it. What you're going to do is you're going to leave it right there. And now, I don't want you to say anything out loud, but in your head, I want you to ask Jesus right now and say, Jesus, what would you like to trade me? So go ahead and ask him. Say, Jesus, what would you like to trade me for this package? And then I want you to listen, and I want you to assume that he's answering you. Jesus, what would you like to trade me for this? Thank you, Lord, for your gentleness, your calm demeanor, the fact that you have such good things for us. Now go ahead and take that thing that he's giving you. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. guys keep your eyes closed so just got this little thought and when I get thoughts I just assume it's Holy Spirit because he's in me and his thoughts are my thoughts I just had a thought that there's either one or two one or more people in here that you were abused sexually I'm not gonna put an put an age age date on it but anyways this is kind of strong my spirit and what's done can't be undone if it could be, that would be that would be great, but it, it's it's past. The Holy Spirit says that He wants to give you a newness. He wants you to be able to let go of that. You're not going to forget about it. It's not it's not about forgetting. God's not into blocking memories. That's what the enemy does. But He wants to heal it so that memory won't be that that thorn on the inside of you. I also sense that there's someone here that is dealing with cancer. Holy Spirit wants you to know that the tools that you've been given is exactly the things that you need to walk through. And he wants to help you through it. He's not going to leave you on your own. But healing, he has for you. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. You're such a good God to us. You're so good, so good, so good. Now, with everyone's eyes still closed, I just want to give an opportunity. The things that we're talking about talk about the fact that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He's a person that came to this earth to show us how much God loves us. A lot of times people think of Jesus coming down so that he could make God stop being angry at us, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. That pits God against Jesus, and that doesn't even make sense. God sent his son Jesus because he loved us from the very start. Before you make any decision to, to step towards him, he loves you in your brokenness and all the decisions that you've made. He very simply wants you to receive the gift that he has for you. So everyone go ahead and repeat after me. Say, Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Make me whole.